Well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to me, Sadia Osmani, and I'm sitting in for Noreen Mir today, and we've had a very busy programme. Seriously, I've been rushed off my feet, but we I know now about uh, Maker Bay, and I know about wet markets, so it's absolutely great. Now, I have my next guest in the studio. Now, as the world adjusts to changes that have come with COVID-19, there are some issues that have come up to, on the surface which really do highlight that we need to devote more attention resources on the most vulnerable in our society. Children in abusive households is one of those worrying issues that is a problem across the world and in Hong Kong. Joining me in the studio now is Vanessa Hemavathi. She is the Asian Chapter Chair for Help for Children, a global charity foundation that supports children who are abused. Um, good afternoon, Vanessa. Good afternoon, Sadia. Thank you very much for coming in today. It's lovely to see you. You were just saying this is the first time you've come on the radio. It's my first time. Right. Well, it's lovely to have you. And um, now, first of all, before we go into, uh, you know, some of the work that you've, tell me about HFC. Um, this is Help for Children. Um, when, when did it really set up and what is it? So Help for Children started in 1998 in New York. It was founded by a hedge fund professional, Rob Davis, and he was very passionate about helping children who've been abused. So since then, we've started many other chapters globally. We have chapters in New York, London, Cayman Islands, Ireland, Dublin, and the Hong Kong chapter started in 2014. So we've been around for a while, but this year we're really reinvigorating the efforts in the prevention and awareness of child abuse. and. The pandemic has caused quite a bit of that as well. So. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. In terms of the actual foundation itself, so how is it supported? Because you, you mentioned the alternative investment sector who are supporting this. And so how does that work? How does that work? So we organise events throughout the year and most of the, we're all volunteers. So anyone involved in Help for Children in globally, we have 600 volunteers globally. But the Asia chapter, everyone's a volunteer and a lot of them are senior professionals from organisations. And it's primarily led by the financial or individual financial professionals from the organisation. So we raise events, we're having a gala event at the end of the year, hopefully it takes off. But in that spirit, we're keeping the momentum so that once things are ready, we can raise money and give it to beneficiaries, which the foundation feels fits within the mandate. And has it always been in Hong Kong, the HFC? Have you been working in Hong Kong for some time or is that something that you're trying to kind of jumpstart again? So it has been in Hong Kong since 2014. But for this year, we've expanded our membership base as volunteers because we really want to reinvigorate our efforts and also eventually next year get young professionals to inculcate the values of charity within them as well. So it's also part of a corporate social responsibility yes. initiative yes. that we want to teach the young people because they are the leaders of the future. And if they believe in the concept of charity, it may not be the right mission for them. But when they become leaders of their organizations, they will have that value of philanthropy embedded within the governance. So. so that is, I mean, it's it's a really good thing to be able to, say, have employees who can actually go out, you know, to the community and do this work in that time that you give to, you know, you give that time to them to be able to do that, don't you? Yeah, so we meet up once a month. So there are several committees. We ask them where they want to be involved. And also we hope that they'll be passionate about the course um, to be involved because it is outside your full-time job. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we meet together. We discuss ideas. And it's also guided by our academic professor, Dr. Clifton Emery. He's a trained statistician and he's also a social worker. So he guides us in the funding, the process. He educates all of us because we're all finance professionals. So mm -hmm. we seek to him for leadership. Are we on the right path? Is this the right benefit? fishery we should be looking at in terms of allocating the money 
So he helps us define or refine our thought process in terms of which beneficiary we should be reaching out to within okay. our mandate. So that's that side of things. But when we actually say look at the beneficiaries, now what are we talking about in terms of you know, how bad is it in Hong Kong? How much of a problem is there? I mean, we know this is a global problem without a doubt. So how are we looking here? So in Hong Kong, I think the pandemic has actually caused a surge in the number of cases yes. of violence and abuse is also a strong word. So I think there are four types of abuse. There's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's neglect, and there's sexual abuse. So in Hong Kong, it's 69% of the abuse is emotional abuse. And it's a silent pandemic. We don't really talk about it. And actually, every only one out of every 100 cases gets reported. Mm -hmm. And abuse. when you talk about emotional abuse, are we talking about, you know, pressure that children are put under? Or, you know, what examples have you got of that? What exactly is it? I think it's the concept of dignity. I think it may be certain cultural things. So, you know, when we constantly criticize our child and we tell them you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're actually bit by bit stripping their dignity away. And those effects are a lot longer lasting because they feel they're not good enough. And then they become very withdrawn and yeah, isolated. Yeah. Is that perhaps high here because of the general culture of, you know, children and the pressures they have? Because, you know, we've got, you know, we hear about it. It's, it's kind of, you know, in a way, it sounds kind of funny when people say, oh, tiger mums, this, that. But actually, it isn't because that does put a major pressure on children, doesn't it? And, you know, interestingly, Sadia, I started out my career in Singapore as a high school teacher. So I actually did um, a postgraduate diploma in education and I was actually teaching students who were 15, 16 and they had so much of pressure in performance yeah. and they didn't think they were good enough. And sometimes as teachers, we also have a front say. So it is a problem in terms of um, um, helping them. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the kind of emotional side of things. The other thing is, is like in Hong Kong, I suppose now, you know, there is this whole thing that people Obviously, we've not had a lockdown as such, but there's been socialisation. So people are in their homes, stuck with each other. And we're talking tiny spaces, too, for many people. So that's that's actually increased the number of cases. So that one of the beneficiaries that we funded against child abuse, they reported a significant surge in the number of calls from teenagers. So even the con definition of a child, we're looking at zero to 17 so, so that's that's not i mean that's a huge range isn't it so normally even for me a lot of people thought a child is zero to ten but it's actually zero to 17 so you're talking about the youth and there's a, a lot of mental health issues the youth are facing these days in terms of school and also the tensions that we would be having in hong kong mm -hmm. so that has also caused a lot of emotional distress within the children as well so what are the main challenges that you're facing i mean for any situation like this where you are uh, you know the foundation is there to help um, children who are going through abuse here in Hong Kong how the cha what are the challenges are children willing to speak out can is there a way that they can contact you what do you find is the most difficult part of it all I think the most difficult part about it is really raising awareness about it you know going about how do we communicate that this is a problem to some emotional abuse is it's a just accept it it's I just part of their life it's part of their it. lives yeah. but you know if you really look back if you don't um, do therapy for them at a young age, it, it will manifest in when they're older, in their mm -hmm. 40s. It still comes back because they always felt they were not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it will manifest in their professional life, in their personal life. So I think it's important to create awareness within the children and within the parents to know this is maybe not the best way in sharing messages to your children as well. So I think the difficulty is really creating awareness within the community.
Okay, well, we'll talk some more in a few moments. I'm just going to put on a track just between that. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about, say, the type of work um, that you're doing on the ground and how, say, if somebody else wants to get involved, how they can get involved in that. We'll do that in a few moments. That's Sin Plus. And up to me. 14 minutes to three. That's one, two, three show with me, Sadia, and my guest is Vanessa Hemavathi, and she's from Help for Children. And we've been talking about the whole situation about, you know, abuse uh, with children and the fact that you just mentioned that in Hong Kong, it is very much, 69% of it is based on the emotional side of things as to the pressure that children are under. Um, So now, you know, what kind of work is HFC doing here in Hong Kong? What practical things can, can you change, can you try and highlight? So I think the main mission of HFC is really in the awareness and treatment. So I think one portion is the treatment of children, children who've been abused. So in the past, we worked with two beneficiaries against child abuse and the Hong Kong Society for the Protection of Children. So maybe one thing to note, we don't take on the same beneficiary year on year. We actually rotate them to check on the governance. Okay. But in terms of what we did before, we funded specific projects where we trained a social worker to give them the skills to equip them to look after children from the age of zero to three for the Hong Kong Society for the Protection of Children, to give them the support to help those children in need. Okay, so that's good. You're putting it into a person in terms of who can go and anywhere and help them and stuff. So we fund projects. Right. We don't fund an organisation. Okay. It doesn't have. It doesn't go to the expense. So when you give us your dollar, we're going to make sure that most of the money goes to actually to a particular project that's actually making a benefit and a difference in the child's life. That's good. Now that's an area I think that lots of people, when it comes to charities. I mean, I've worked in charities for a number of years before I did broadcasting, and uh, you know. People always ask, like, okay, if I'm going to give money to, to you know, a charity, where is my money going to? How do I know, you know, they're being transparent about it? How do I know it's not paying for the CEO's salary or whatever? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, how, how transparent are you guys in terms of where the money goes and how it's used? So, firstly, in Hong Kong, everyone working on the committee, on the board, we're all volunteers. So, mm-hmm. none of the money goes to us. So, of course, there's a slight overhead that goes to the, the staff in New York. So, we fund on a project basis. So, we're actually funding ideas on the project. So the organization might be a great organization, but we want to see the idea behind it. So it's actually a very competitive process behind it. And I think the key difference is is charity versus smart charity. Mm -hmm. So you might be giving money to an organization, but how sure are you that you're not funding the overhead of the organization? Exactly. But whereas you give it to us, we're a foundation. So I think it's something where we're a foundation, we make a look into the beneficiaries and we're making sure that when we take your dollar, we're actually funding a particular project that will have a significant impact on the amount that you've given us. So that's the concept of smart charity. You're funding a particular project and you know where so the So there's a major going. criteria involved here before and obviously people are competing for that funding. Correct. So they have to put applications in to be able to get that funding and then you go through the whole process, right? So how it works is our grants committee, um, we have an academic advisor, Dr. Clifton Emery. Mm-hmm. So he guides us. We send a letter of intent to tap them. Hey, Helpful Children is here. We've got some funding available. Can you send us an idea uh, of what you might have? So we'll all review the ideas. And once the idea is re- um, accepted by the committee, we'll have it approved by the board. And then we'll go down, we'll do a due diligence on the beneficiary to make sure everything's in check, check their overheads, and then we fund them. So we do a very thorough due diligence process to make sure that we're actually funding the children and the project. 
Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, thorough, as you said. Like, So that's good. That gives you a certain a peace of mind to know that at least, you know, whatever the funds are, they're going to the right place after a lot of the whole criteria is looked at. So oh, yeah. you, were, you were also mentioning that, you know, you've got specific um, aims in terms of empowering, say, maybe younger people, getting more people involved in the whole charity thing. Is that something that you think is going away from people over time? or So it's been interesting, Sadia. So in my journey as in the last six months, I've been meeting a lot of people and a lot of people are trying to find a mission or something to reach out to. And a lot of young people are keen to do charity, but they just don't know the avenue. Mm -hmm. So what if organizations or corporate entities said, this is a charity we want to support? It may not be the right fit, but that idea of philanthropy is embedded for them already. And they will be championing when they become leaders, when they move on and take on leadership roles. So I think it starts from a young age, mm -hmm. championing and more companies should do that. And also there's been more of ESG, you know, supporting that it's part of a social move globally. Right. And Asia was starting to pick that up as well. So, I mean, really, in a way, the whole kind of charity thing should almost start, you're saying it should start when people are employed and that's something that they should bring. I think, frankly, it should go back, right back to schools, to tell you the truth. It's like something that's almost in our minds. And maybe it is a distraction, you know, maybe it is something that children can concentrate on and focus on and things. And I mean, I think it goes even before it goes to the parents. Yeah, yeah, it goes back. You know, it's, it goes back to who, you know, the chicken cross the Why, You know, it's like understanding that, you know, how you educate your children, how you bring those concepts into their mind has to be right from the word go, doesn't it? I think it's about giving back. You yeah, know, I think sometimes we just take a step back and say, well, maybe we have enough, but we need to learn how to give back to the community. And one thing about Health for Children, we want to help the community. We care. We mm -hmm. want to make a difference to those children. So... Being a teacher, I think it stems from the parents. So my maybe a little bit about myself. My family in Singapore, my aunt does a lot of work with the grassroots, um, you know. So I saw that, and that actually got me inspired Encouraged wanting you. to do. So I it was my family that actually instilled those values from me at a young age. Mm -hmm. And when in Hong Kong, I was actually looking to get involved, and someone said helpful children's looking for someone to drive it. And I thought, why not take this chance to make an impact and also share it with professionals among my peers and to make a difference within the Hong Kong community. There is very um, a very emotional side to this. I mean, when you think of help for children and you think of children now with the pandemic, there has been a lot of exposure about children being abused. It really does hit home. It really does. It is a very painful thing to think about when you think about children. I mean, what for you is the most important thing here in terms of reaching those children? How do we reach them? How can they have a voice? Um, children do have a voice so I think it's telling them your rights that you know you can have a better future this is not the way for you to be treated a lot of them aren't aware they don't yeah. know what their rights are yeah so I think it's educating them and it starts from the school so I think it's really in the education system that has to be start being a teacher mm -hmm. I can say that sure, as well sure. so they're not aware what their rights is how they should be treated and I think it's also very much the concept of the dignity don't strip the dignity of the child away so we constantly belittle them. You might not realise it, but you're stripping their dignity bit by yeah. bit. I think it's it's a matter of parents sometimes have certain expectations of their children and a lot of pressures from society to get their children to the right school, to get them to do the right exams. And then, you know, and I think certainly culturally, this culture, I mean, I, I would, you know, say that the Chinese culture is very similar. It's almost like you're, you're, you start off your life by people saying, OK, you, you've got a choice. You can be a doctor, engineer, or you can be whatever. And so that does put pressure on children, doesn't it? It does put pressure on children. And I think the important thing parents also schools maybe have to teach is the concept of emotional resilience. 
Mm-hmm. You know, life is not linear. Yeah. You know, you might take a fall. And in this era, a lot of people are being made redundant. So yeah. how do you come back from emotional resilience? There's a huge resilience? pressure at the moment, isn't there? So I think in schools, you know, teaching children about the concept of emotional re- resilience and mental health, it's a big thing. So that's part of success in life and realizing it's okay. You know what? It's okay to fail. We're all figuring out our lives. So I think that message is to say, it's okay. Okay. Well, that's great. Listen, I w- would like to just finish off with a, a few things from you in terms of um, what's going on now in the future. What have you got planned and how can we help or how can anyone help who's listening at the moment? So Help for Children, we're having two events this year. So we're planning an event, fingers crossed, but we still got to keep planning. So we have an event coming up in August um, at one of the spinning gyms and an event outside. But the big event this year will be a gala November 19. Mm, sounds nice. Which we hope will take off. Um, we, ha- we can't sit behind and do nothing. So if it takes off, we'll be all ready to raise money from the industry um, funding. So I wouldn't say it's funding that we're looking for. We're looking for skill sets. If you're looking to contribute, you know, you can go on our website and make a donation. But we're also looking for people with skill sets. If you're a photographer, if you're a videographer, if you have a digital marketing background, you know, we want those skill sets. Because we want to communicate with you. If you want to help us by giving us a mask for the children, we're happy to take that because we want to make visits to the beneficiaries okay. as well. And the I've, the details of your Facebook page are on my Facebook page. So yes. you just need to go to my Facebook page, which was just Sadia Osmani at Radio 3 RTHK. And you can have a look because the HFC Facebook page is there too. Vanessa, thank you very much for coming in today. Some really important stuff that we've discussed here. And as we said that, you know, you can listen to this again. You can go to the Facebook page and get some more details. But I do wish you luck with the gala. That sounds very good. Thank <laughs> like you, Sadia, for having us Come here. along to that then. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.